So, session seven is where we are at tonight. So the big question from last week, you answer that one. So we're going to have answer, Norma answer the first one. No, no, oh no. Before, oh well, sorry, I put your name on it. <laughs> So, before the next session, which is tonight's session, consider the following question. How can Satan deceive you? It's recording. You have to speak. <laughs> Carrie, would you answer okay. for well, really, Norma? Okay, my answer? This is mine and Norma's answer for all those listening. Together, we answered this together earlier. It's, <laughs> um... Okay, he can make your perceived reality seem like the truth. Focus on thought. And that was Norma's contribution to my answer. Um, you can focus on thoughts that play on your weaknesses. He makes them seem as though they are not. Mm-hmm. Very good. No, it is he. I got an answer, but my mind is that if he can get into your mind. Mm-hmm. And disturb the weather you think. Yes. That's how he can get you. That's right. This everything is started right here. Mind. In your mind. Yeah, I just throw by presenting false truths. Yes. That we then start believing. Exactly. You know, remember the word of God says if you give the enemy a foothold. <laughs> just a small little foothold, yeah. It'll develop into a stronghold. And we as Christians we've got to truly understand this. If we're going to live a victorious life in Christ, if we're going to live as overcomers, that the word of God gives us the hope to live. And I think we were talking on Wednesday night too, is I think so many times we we hear the Christian life preach, we see it laid out in the Word of God, and I think somehow we're deceived by thinking that that can't be obtainable. But the Christian life can be lived. We can be humble people. We can be servants. We can love. We can be peaceful. We can have self-control. Yeah. We, but we make excuses why we don't. And in making those excuses and just uh, excusing our sin, excusing our rebellious nature, we're actually giving ground to the enemy. We're actually feeding into his lies and his deceptions about who Christ is and about then who we are in Christ. Remember, the Christian life was exactly it. It's a lifestyle. You have willingly laid down your life to pick his up. Mm-hmm. That's a Christian life. It's not the whole form of religion saying, well, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people who know Jesus, but they're not Christians. They have a knowledge, but they don't have a life. They don't have a relationship. And so when we're not walking in truth, when we're not abiding in Christ daily, it has to be something that we're daily, cultivating daily, we're maturing in daily. Because as we said a little bit before we started, that we are called to walk habitually in the Spirit, continually. And in doing so, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That scripture that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks would come alive to us. It would be our truth. That our desires, our, our fleshly desires of the rebellious nature, we have nailed it to his cross and we've crucified it there. And that's like when in Romans, when it talks about being a living sacrifice. 
you may be dead to yourself, but you're living now in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's so vital. So I love this. This session seven is all of them leading up these steps. And this is where as you're discipling people, as you're talking with people, as you're growing in your own faith, you should be walking people through. You may not have the book in front of you, but it lays out the steps. It begins with salvation, the gospel, which then leads to, once they accept Christ, this new identity in Christ. And as you're growing, you start understanding what it is to live by faith. And by living by faith and believing in what you're saying and whom you're saying you believe in, it begins to change your worldview. You will not keep partaking of the things you once did. Because they won't satisfy you any longer. Nothing can complete you like Jesus. You're whole. And so as your worldview starts shaping, you start living by the Spirit. And as you gradually begin to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, then your mind is starting to be renewed. And that process is transformation. You begin to be transformed as you begin to learn how to think with a renewed mind. And so in that, we come to tonight's lesson. And so each of these steps are steps that you all should be meditating on, thinking about. Even, you know, I would encourage you, and and again, I give you these points of application, you can do them or not, but hopefully you're doing them. Like, I would challenge you this week to be able to stand in front of the mirror and present this message to yourself. Out loud. No, all of them. Like, you don't have your book in front of you and you're telling someone. Oh, okay. So begin to stand there and talk. How will you share the gospel? How will you discuss the fallen nature, the consequences, Ariana, of sin because mankind rebelled against God? What are the consequences of the fall? Do you remember them? Can you explain them to someone who's not a Christian? And as you're talking about it, and why the need for Jesus? Who is Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? You know? And then from there, take it to session two. You should start, because we're talking about discipling. We're talking about growing as a fellowship. We're talking getting beyond where we've kind of been for these years, and really looking towards our future as, a, as individuals, Christians, but also as a fellowship. That our lives will begin to really mature, that we'll begin to really take root and form, that we would get to the calling which God has for us. But if we're individually not getting it, uh, we're not going to be able to present it to anyone else. Your lives will impact others when you're trained up, if you would. You're matured up. You've been discipled. You know? And these are the steps to freedom. And that's our ministry name, True Freedom Fellowship. Mm -hmm. It's genuine freedom. It's just not a show. It's not a put-on. We're not here to entertain people. We want to do life with people. We want to hold people accountable. We want to hold each other accountable. We want God to be glorified. We want Jesus' name to be exalted in our lives. But I would encourage you, if you haven't started this process, begin to start it. Stand up and talk to yourself. Look at yourself. So that will build confidence, not in and of yourself, but in Christ in you. Pray, Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom and the insight to be able to 
to speak this to to be able to disciple others in this and then as you start doing it and you're you're you're, you're sensing that wow it's getting rooted in me I'm being built up then begin to pray specifically for divine appointments people in school Ariana that you can meet that are hurting it's like that song said mm-hmm. that we will go and we will let the captives know that there is freedom. People in stores, people just your co-workers, just day-to-day life. Like begin to be prayed up. Because let me tell you something. I can't be the only one doing that for us. It has to be collectively all of us. That God give us the wisdom to be effective ministers. Harvesters for your kingdom. The fields are ripe. Let us be harvesters. Let us be able to take, seize the moment that we've been given in this generation to make his name known. So it just can't be a study that we're just doing, okay, that's good. No, this has to become applicable truths to your lives. Go back, reread, meditate upon the scriptures that we've talked about. And then how would you present it to others? Get serious about your walk with Christ. Knowing whom you're saying you believe in. So the battle for the mind. We talked about renewing of the mind. But we know that in the process of being transformed, there's a battle for our mind, for your thoughts, for how you're thinking. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Ariana, nice and loud for me, please. Since after the fall, humankind lost its position and relationship with God. And Satan became the rebel holder of authority over this fallen world. Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of this world in John chapter 12, verse 31. And the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. And said that the whole world lies in his power. See 1 John 5, verse 19. Because he has deceived the inhabitants of the earth. See Revelations chapter 13, verse 14. Carrie, can you read Satan the Deceiver? Just as God created everything on earth, he also created the angels in heaven. One of these angels was named Lucifer, which means light bearer. This angel reflected the light and glory of God. A very beautiful angel, Lucifer, was prideful and self-centered, and he challenged the throne of God. See Isaiah 14, 12-14. Because of this rebellious act, Lucifer and the angels who had sided with him were cast out of heaven by God. The position of the believer. Yvette, would you read that? Authority is the right to rule, and the power is and a power is the ability to rule. As Christians, we have authority over the kingdom of darkness because of our position in Christ. Amen. 
We have the authority to do God's will, nothing more and nothing less. As long as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the power to do His will. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, Ephesians 6.10. Perfect. Alright, so just from that opening kind of introduction to tonight's lesson, any takeaways? Well, I had a bunch starting off with the top. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll have to go back to the scripture that Ari read. Um, there were some key things that um, I underlined. Um, first of all, in that scripture, I underlined the word schemes of the devil. And the word scheme to me just uh, jumped out um, as if, like... Um, as if he was actually plotting, like he's actually giving effort and mm -hmm. thought, yeah. and he has a plan. And that just, um, that hit me when I was studying through this particular scripture, that um, the devil has a plan, and that he wakes up every morning with a purpose, and he has an agenda for the day, and he has the schemes, he has his bag of tricks, if you will. And he's ready to use them. And so just as he is ready and he has a purpose, then we need to remember our purpose. And we need to be ready for that. And so it's, um, he's a force to be reckoned with, you know, because he's prepared, basically. And we need to remember that. So that, that word, um, schemes, really stuck out to me. And, uh, then also in that verse, I underlined, um, well, um, I underline resist, and then I underline full armor, because um, I thought that, that the completeness, that it didn't say um, just part of the armor or some of the armor, that the full armor of God from head to toe, that it all, you know, it all works together um, for our final purpose, that we can't just take some and not all of it, that it all works best when it's used um, together in unison. And then um, resist in the day, um, in the evil day. Um, and that to me, that was just a reminder that um, pretty much the days are just getting more and more evil. Mm. And so our job is to continually to resist. And it's going to continue to come at you. And But we have that armor of God. And it's that full armor of God that covers every area that's necessary. And the Bible also says that he is our rear guard. So we know that that is true also. Um, so what do we have to constantly be in preparation to do to be able to resist the things that are not of him? And then down at the section underneath word, something that just struck me that it was almost like a revelation to me. Um, and I underlined, humankind lost its position. Because it says here, and Satan became, it was kind of sounded like a line from Star Wars, but the rebel holder of authority over this fallen world. And what I really recognized is that it was the authority over the world went it was almost like I, I just I don't know if I just never really under never really gave it much thought before, but the authority that Satan has right now is the authority that that man was supposed to have, because he it says in Genesis that 
God gave man dominion over the world. And I never really put it together that we no longer have dominion over the world. Satan has dominion over the world. But because of the fall, we lost our position, and Satan now has our position. And so, in this world, if you look at it in worldly terms, he has position over us. Because he has our position. But if we're in Christ, that's when, you know, we, our, our authority in Christ usurps his. But that to me, I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't know, I never really realized that his, the position he has now was originally ours. And we gave it up, because in Genesis it does say that all dominion was given to man. And I was like, well, what? That's, that's irritating that he has our position. Um, and then down here, um, I really, and, and we have to use the position of a believer, that paragraph that spills over into the next page. Um, if you answer the questions, you have to use that uh, paragraph to answer some of the questions. But um, I, I really had to underline that first line there. The authority is, and I had to write it out here, because I learned one specific way in high school to take notes and how to best take a test and how to pass a test. So I have to write, when to remember key thoughts and phrases, I have to write it out like I learned how to take notes so I don't forget. And so I had to rewrite it in a way that I could remember. Um, but authority is the right to rule and power is the ability to rule. And so then um, I, wrote, I rewrote it in a sentence. Um, the right to rule over the kingdom because our ability to rule is in Christ. And um, so in the next... On the next page, um, what I did was I replaced the words <coughs> authority and power with right and ability. So we have the right to do God's will, nothing more and nothing less. As long as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the authority. I mean, I'm sorry, we have the ability to do His will. And that really helped me understand it if I, using the definitions that were given here. Like, So when I think of the word authority, you know, it's my authority is my right and I really didn't think about this because these words can be used interchangeably but if you're using them interchangeably you're not using them correctly so we have the right or the authority so when I say and the I have the authority given to me by Christ it's my right given to be my Christ and that would really I had to really think about that okay when I'm talking about the authority of Christ, it's the right of Christ. Okay? But then when we talk about the power to do his will, it's the actual ability. So the power also comes from Christ. So my authority in Christ and my ability comes from Christ. So my authority is because of Christ, but my ability comes from Christ. And so, anyway, it was, I really had to give some thought to that to see the differences there and use like word replacement for me to really grasp that. Um, that with the authority, it's talking about I have, I have the right to do God's will. You know, that, that's my, that's almost like my, My, it's almost like my birthright to do God's will, you know. And so thinking about it, and anyway, it's it. 
it's a, for some reason it was really kind of a weird concept for my head to, to wrap around that. But anyway, that's it. Any other thoughts? Alright, so let's look at some scriptures here. We are identified with Christ. Read the following ways in which we are identified in Christ. Again, remember, our, your position now as a believer is in Christ. So, your nature is not to be in rebellion any longer. Your new nature now is in submission to Christ. You received Him. Now it's learning to walk it out. And so I would encourage you to meditate on these truths. We've been presented a lot of truths in this study so far. Again, if you're not going back and meditating on them, praying through them, then you're just being a hearer of the Word and don't expect anything to come forth. It's when you really take heart and you're applying God's truth, you're meditating on it, you're allowing your mind to be renewed by the Word, by His truth. You're learning Him, of Him, and you're learning your identity now, this newness of life that we constantly hear about when one accepts Jesus. You are a new creation. You're not running for the things you used to run with. But again, we know just as much effort as we put into our old life before Christ, we have to put that same effort in our new nature to grow and to mature. You didn't become who you became in the old nature by putting no effort to it. You chose the way you lived, who you would hang out with, what you would do, how you would do it, and so forth like that. You had desires, you had cravings, you know, insecurities, you had all this stuff that was forming you. But you have got to truly believe that because of Jesus and what he accomplished through his death and his resurrection, that you now have hope to be saved, to be restored back to God through Jesus his death and his resurrection, and in that, you are born again. And you're born of the Spirit. So we must grow up. We must feed off the nourishment that the Holy Spirit gives us daily. We must obey. It's vital. And it's not that you're forced to, you just desire to. This is how your life just begins. So let's take a look at some of these um, scriptures here. So, Carrie, would you take the first three, and we'll kind of kind of flip back and forth through those. But we are identified with Christ in His death. So these three scriptures that Carrie's going to read, um, we'll speak of these. Romans six three. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Galatians 2.20 My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. By trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm -hmm. 
And as you hear these read, as you go back and you meditate on these, like when thoughts come at you, when, when things are pressing up against you, these are the scriptures that you need to have rooted within you that you can bring back to the forefront of, of, of truth in your life now. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with God in Christ. Alright, Ari, go to Romans 6. You're going to do the next two for us. So, we are identified in Christ, as Carrie just read those scriptures, in his death. Now, Ari's going to read about the way we identify with Christ in his burial and in his resurrection. So, when you get to Romans 6, if you would read verse 4, 5, 8, 11. Verse 4 ties in into his burial. Just, no, just no. You're going to skip just through that 4 and 5, and then skip to 8, and then skip to 11. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Mm -hmm. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he, as he was. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. So, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. The next one is in His ascension. And Yvette, could you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6? For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him mm -hmm. in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Yeah. Romans 5, verse 10. Norma, if you'll turn there. And this is, we are to identify Christ in his life. to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we should be saved by his life mm. <clears throat> Yvette stay in Ephesians go to chapter 1 verse 19 through 20 and this is how we identify Christ in his power and then Carrie I'm going to have you end with the last two okay. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And then, finally, in His inheritance, Romans 8, verse 16 through 17, 
and then Ephesians 1, verse 11 and 12. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Amen. I love that phrase there, our only sanctuary is our position in Christ. And so now, as we read through how we can identify with Christ, We've heard the scriptures read. What do they say to you? What do you take away from hearing this? I take away that we have, it's, it's written proof, it is written that we have authority and dominion, and we are, we are, Christ is in us, and we are in him, and um, we shouldn't doubt ourselves. There should be no more doubt in who we are. Um, my, favorite part, I guess, is when we hit Romans, and I've always looked at this, and I, I might look at it differently than most, but like with Romans, um, I'm sorry, not Romans, Ephesians, um, where it talks about that you, know, you really got to read this, and you really got to wrap your head around it, because it can really mess with you. Um, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's where we're seated. We're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, in the Spirit. And there should be no doubt. And, and then because we are united with Christ Jesus, and the way we're reunited was when he was, when we died, he died. When, when he died, we died. It, it's like we, we were joined to him in our spirit, it, yeah, except when I'm in my own world, excuse me, my own flesh, I sever that tie. And I no longer have dominion or authority because I can't. And it's not like it's not like the authority I had as a cop. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I relate a lot of this authority stuff to that. And maybe Norma does too. And, you know, and when you kind of compare, it's nothing even comparable because we are literally seated with him in the heavenly realms. We haven't even tapped in to what we have, what God has given us, what, what authority he's given us, what... Um, you know, it says we'll even do greater things than what he's done. I mean, we have never even tapped into that part of our relationship of what he's left us with um, in the spirit. And and when I every time I see this, it took me a while, and I was like, wow, wait a second. I am seated there with you. I come to you. I, you know, I request to you, but I can also go in Jesus' name. I command you. Boom. You know, by all authority given to me, like he said, you know, when he was in the garden, you know, you know, it's not, you don't tempt God. And he used his authority at that point when he was quoting it. So it's this, it's absolutely picking up what you were given and carrying it with you, with your armor and everything else. This is your, this is what your sword is. The word is your sword, but this is, this is who you are. You are in this spiritual battle in the spiritual armor and I'm telling you we need to start taking our position and if that means doing what we have to do in relationships and 
jobs, stepping out in faith, going, all right, I'm walking where you're going to handle this, and, and, and such. Um, I have an example, and there was a gentleman today, I had, to, I had a client that I had to see today on an emergency basis, so I ended up in Apopka, and an older gentleman that is an elder at that church, you know, his wife died after 47 years or something to that effect, but old, I mean, he's old, he's 70s, and, you know, lovely couple, loved each other until the day she died, and, you know, I'm going to tell you, boy, the Peter and me rose up, and all I did was I sat there. I just sat there and said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. And I'm telling myself, I mean, if normal people would have thought I was a nut. But I knew because long and short of it was, is it's been a year or so since his wife died. He's met this woman that's a friend, that's a Roman Catholic lady. And it was told to him, because she's not of this faith, you need to not. And, of course, everything in me was like, mm. you know. And I just sat there, and I'm looking, and he's telling me, and he's telling us this because he was really torn. And I said, my God, you're a child of God. I said, show her Christ and, and forgive these and ask her to forgive them. But you show her who Christ is because he's in you. You have the authority to stop this nonsense right now and pick up your authority and run with it. And he just sat there and looked at myself and Shandrani like, my God, nobody's, I've never thought about this. In, you know, Shandrani threw the scriptures out there, and this is one of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, you have authority. Forget the religion. Walk away from it. Do what you got to do to get away from it. But we don't, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to get on a preaching term, but we don't realize when this right here says we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, we need to be thinking who, who we are and realize just what he's given us and not question it. And when we do question it, somebody come and kick you in the butt and say, what are you doing? You know. I think of when the Word of God says that, you know, as you're praying, you know, believe. Don't be double-minded. Yeah, right. Because you being double-minded amounts to nothing. You having a divided heart is not exemplifying faith in Christ. You know, this has to be not just when life and the circumstances of life are going good. This has to be every single day of your life. You know, in the middle of traffic, in the middle of craziness, in the middle of chaos, we have to remember our position. We have to remember that we are in Christ, that we are seated with Christ, that we have been given the fullness of all that He has. We are His representatives. So we live not to honor ourselves, but to honor Him. And if we truly get this, if we truly mature in it, if we truly grow in it, how God can display His miraculous power through the church, through His people, as we trust Him and as we obey, we have to get to a place where we just come to a full agreement with Him and what He says. And what He says. And that when we find that we're not, we don't beat ourselves up and do the weird condemnation game. No, we just recognize and repent. And desire to grow. Mm -hmm. Desire more love. Desire more faith. Desire more. You know. Continue to seek Him. And you will find Him if we seek Him with our whole heart. These truths. 
how we are to identify with Christ. Look at these, in his death. Have you ever really gave thought to that? What does that mean? In his burial, in his resurrection, and I love the fact that they lay out even in his ascension, and in his life, and in his power, and in his inheritance. Because of Christ, we have. Because of Christ, we're whole. We're not broken people anymore. We may feel it. We may still have things around us that scream at us and remind us. But that's where we have to start applying God's truth and be begin to form our thought patterns on this truth. I'm not broken. I'm whole. Because of Christ. See, your security is in Christ. It's not in the works. It's not in anything of you. It's all in Him. And if we don't know Him, then we don't know really who we are mm -hmm. as believers. You have to know Him. So any other thoughts or anyone else regarding that? Alright, so I would encourage you, get back in it. Oh, you had something? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, don't say passion. that's what we're talking. So I would just encourage y'all, this week, meditate on this. What does that mean to you? And again, as I'm encouraging you to practice, and I say practice it in here because it gives you the opportunity to be able to look, to be able to hear what's coming out of your mouth. How would you explain this to someone who's not saved? How would you explain it to someone who is bound by religion? Who doesn't understand the identity in Christ? They understand the works of religion, but that doesn't save them. It's the trueness of, of the reality that we have been born again of a new nature. So, how would you explain this to others? As you're going through this material, how is it impacting you? But in return, then, how will this material in you, as it's taken form and shape and root in your heart, how is it going to impact those around you? To get out there and have spiritual conversations. To begin to disciple others in God's truth. And so, Ari, go to John, the book of John. Find chapter 17 for me. Oh, beautiful phrase, I love that. That's why it's important that we are abiding in Him. That we are remaining in Him. Careful the little bit you give yourself of the temporalness of life. Careful. Our hearts should be set on pleasing Him. We are His beloved. So John chapter 17, verse 14 through 18, the battle for our mind. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world anymore than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Amen. Jesus' words. Mm -hmm. um, 
can you get on Facebook? Can you go to Facebook for me? Pull up my page. And if you would um, read uh, the quote from Leonard Ravenhill about the greatest miracle. I want you all to hear this. If you haven't read it, I want you to hear this. It ties into what kind of what Ari just read and into our study tonight. See it? Should be the heart sick one? True man of God's heart sick? No. It should be the one underneath it. I thought, I thought it said the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, and then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. Read that one more time, nice and loud and slower for me. Listen to these words. The greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy mm. in it. Listen, that's the key right there, to keep. Yeah. Not only does he pull us out, and this is what Jesus was just saying here, like I'm not asking you to take him out of the world. Just to protect them. Protect them. Yeah. Keep them. So, we, who were once unholy, Total rebellious, or that rebellious nature towards God. We have hope because of Christ that we don't have to live in that rebellion any longer. And in that, we don't have to go the ways of the world. We don't have to partake. You can choose to, but then you're, you're just slapping, if you would, Christ in the face and saying, you're of no value to me. This is of more value. My thoughts that dictate my life, I'll follow. Not you. That's basically what we're saying. When we choose to go our way, when we choose to rebel, but God's power can keep us holy in an unholy world. We can be people who can walk upright, yet though the world is crooked and perverse. And it ties in what you said earlier, Carrie. We now have been given the dominion again through Christ. And you don't think all hell is irritated at that? Yeah. But Jesus' Jesus's word says, but the gates of hell cannot prevail on the church that I am building. Yeah. That's why we can't be afraid of the devil. Yeah. We've got to stop talking and giving him so much credit. We recognize we have an enemy. Yeah. He's defeated. We recognize that the world is working against us, yeah. but we have the promise in God's word that even its desires towards us are finished. We don't have to partake of it. And then we have the flesh that's warring against the rebellious nature. It's like a beast, man. It wants to be in control. Yeah. But can you imagine? We have the authority in Christ to say you're dead. I reckon myself dead. I am a living sacrifice. I will be the one that God has chosen to display His power and His love to all creation. 
If you think about it, if you woke up every day and throughout your day you believe that, I will represent him. I'm without excuse. I will not make excuses for my shortcomings. I'm a vessel that he wants to work through to reveal his majesty, his glory to all creation. I can live differently. My life can impact this generation because we have the truth. But if it's just church, if it's just games, if it's just a religious weird walk, we're no different than anyone else. Our message would truly is not the resurrection. And we read that last week. If our message isn't the resurrection, then really we ought to be pitied. I mean, do we truly believe that the God in whom we say we follow rose from the dead, you all? Do you really, really believe that? We need to ask yourselves these questions so that you don't have a false sense of freedom. Pretending to be free, but yet really not. What kind of twisted weird game is that? But true freedom, that this is your reality. Believe. I mean, let's think about it. And we've talked about this here before. I mean, if you really think about what you believe, it sounds crazy. The world cannot understand it because the Bible says that their eyes are blinded by Satan. But our eyes have been opened. Each of us sitting in here, we are without excuse, y'all. We have heard the teachings of Christ over and over and over and over. And the Bible says it's best that you never heard. <laughs> then to hear and do nothing with it. Yeah. And what we believe in sounds crazy. We believe that God came born of a virgin grew up began his ministry because the prophets of old declared that God would send a Messiah because of the fall of man back in the Garden of Eden. We believe that God spoke the world into an existence, created human, man and woman, gave them dominion, the enemy came in, they were deceived, they rebelled, consequences came, God set apart a people that he would bring the Messiah through, then we believe that Jesus is that Messiah, we believe in his teachings, his miracles, his authority, his power that was displayed. And we believe that he fulfilled the requirements of the Messiah when he was arrested, when he was beaten, chunks of flesh just ripped off of his body. He died a criminal's death and yet he was not a criminal. And from that death, he was buried for three days. And in three days, he fulfilled what he said he would do. He conquered death, you all. He rose from the dead, and in doing so, he stripped hell of its power. 
sin he defeated. We believe that he revealed himself to his disciples and hundreds of others. We believe that he ascended into heaven after giving the great commission and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe in the testimony of the early church and the church throughout the history, even into our generation. But ultimately we believe that he's returning as the conquering king. That this world is not our home. Those beliefs have to begin to define you. Does your actions, does your life represent those beliefs? And if not, then something is not right in your Christian walk. Everything you say and everything you do has to honor those beliefs. And if not, you're not honoring them. These beliefs have to become our truth. Not because they're forced. No, it's because God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. And then this greatest love story that no man could ever pen is birthed right before us. And we can read the scripture with fresh revelation and we just can't get enough of it. Because now we see it for really what it is. And we see it in its fullness because we see him. In his fullness. Such great love being displayed. Oh, it's good news, you all. It is good news. But we must conform ourselves to it. We must hear Jesus' words that Ariana read. It is a prayer. Ari, I want you to read it one more time. Verse 14 through 18. Nice and loud for me. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. If they do not belong to this world anymore, then I do. They do not belong to this world any more than I do, which make them holy by your truth. Mm. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Just as he was sent, we are sent. Mm -hmm. And did you hear that? The world is going to hate us. And I want you to think about the generation in which we live in. The rise of Christian persecution. And this generation is on the increase. Mm -hmm. The mocking of Christian faith in our nation. We haven't started to be persecuted here, but we're mocked. We're mm -hmm. laughed at. We're despised. The world hates whom we believe in. The, word, the world hates his truth. Because the rebellious nature does not want freedom. It wants to remain in control. And look what it says here. I love this line. Every Christian has experienced his temptations and accusations. But the real struggle 
is deception. That is why truth sets us free. Listen, you all know yourselves better than anyone. If your mind is running amok, if you're giving yourself rights to view things, to touch things, to taste things, to react to things that are ungodly, you're being deceived. Don't be deceived. You know the truth. Allow it to set you free. And here's some examples. Can you read, um, Carrie, the example of David? David, a man wholly devoted to God, experienced deception hmm. when Satan moved him to number Israel. First wow. Chronicles twenty-one-one. And think about that. Um, I, I actually read the whole chapter, and to number Israel was the census. Mm-hmm. Um, and Satan rose up, and oh, I wrote it down. I still don't understand it. I meant to go back and read um, read the commentary. Um, because it doesn't make sense to me as to um, why it was wrong for him to take the census, because it doesn't explain it in the chapter. But ba- but the verse says Satan rose up and caused David to take a census of Israel. So basically, what happened in that whole chapter was, um, you know, even against the advisors, you know, um, it, they were they were warring at the time, and even against the advisors, like his own men were questioning him, going why. You know, basically, why are you causing, they were saying this to, to David, why are you causing Israel to sin? Um, so for some reason, of which I don't know why, because it, it didn't explain it in the chapter, but um, I, I meant to go back and read a commentary, and I just forgot, but I will. Um, uh, it was wrong, um, and they knew it was wrong, and David knew it was wrong um, for a census to be taken at that time, but he did, and he had him go out, and count up, and then by the end of the chapter, it, it names how many, you know, men or whatever. But um, because of that, um, you know, God dealt with um, David in the, in a, I think it was a prophet or somebody came to David basically and said, "Hey, because of this, you have you're going to face punishment, and here are your options." And he was given options for punishment. And uh, David had to choose which one. It was either two or three different options. And um, he chose the shortest one. And it was like three days. Um, it was like, one was like a long time famine. One, I, I, and I'm just recounting. I mean, it's been a few days since I read this. But he chose the one that was like three days. And like a lot of men ended up losing their life. Um, but he did, anyway. So, um, but the whole thing was like, that I thought was really interesting, like clearly it said Satan caused David to do this, and David fell right into it. So that's the whole point of it. But again, I don't know why the census was wrong, but that's not the point. The point is David knew it was wrong, all the people, all of David's key men knew it was wrong, and David got dealt with in the end. I mean, why it was wrong is just a side note, but I'm sure there's some good reason that God didn't want the census taken at that time, but I don't know if it was a pride thing. No, well, of course, but I'm trying to remember and see, and I can't get, I can't, I'm not going to find it now. Yeah. But there is a place I believe that that it was instructed by God not to count. Yeah. 
I thought maybe it had to do with pride, like and, don't count your numbers, count on me. Right. So basically, but you don't need to put that. your hope in the numbers of, of what you right. have. And who right. You have. And David got a final count yeah. at the end, and I think, but I thought it was interesting when he, I don't remember who it was that God sent to him at the end of the chapter that said. Was it Nathan? I can't remember which one it was, but basically, God's like, all right, you did it, so you choose your punishment. And I was like, oh, dang. And, like, he chose the shortest one, mm-hmm. like, that was the shortest time span, but a lot of lives were lost because of it. But David's key men are, like, right underneath him the whole time going, why are you doing this? Like, you are causing Israel to sin. And, like, David just was overcome, and he didn't listen. But it clearly, it wasn't David in and of himself. Satan was driving David's choices. So, anyway, I just thought it was interesting because I was like, that's odd. So I read the whole thing waiting to hear what the reason was for the census. That's so, what I assumed. So we see it that was he like pride, but Yeah. We see that he was influenced and deceived by Satan. But David had to be held accountable for his actions. Oh, he just couldn't blame the devil. The whole nation was held accountable, unfortunately. You know? It was Gad that went to Gad, yeah. Gad. I was gonna say I don't think it was me, but Gad had gone to to him and said God was displeased with the senses and he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this. Please forgive my guilt. Then the Lord spoke to Gad. He didn't even speak to David about that. David's seer, this was the message going, say to David, this is what the Lord says, I will give you three choices. Three. And then he names out the choices and stuff like that. So, wow, that's Go choose your own. Yeah. Well, when I think of David too. Israel, 70,000 people uh, I think of how he gave in to temptation yeah. with Bishop. Yeah. yeah, and he, he was supposed to be at war. Yeah, that's yeah, so where a king belonged. But for whatever reason, he chose to stay back. And that's not even his character. As you study mm-hmm. David and you understand mm-hmm. David, like for him to remain, like just think about the deception that he must have fell into. And so here he was hanging back when he should have been on the front line. And he just happened to stroll up up on the roof and gaze out and see another man's wife on the rooftop. Naked. Naked, already. And he sent for her. (coughs) Had sex with her. And then decided... He's going to call her husband, who was one of his soldiers, from the battlefield, from the front line, back. So the the man returns, and David's like, hey, basically go sleep with your wife. Just in case. So if she's pregnant, it'll look like it'll be his child and not David's. Rama, Ari, in the Bible, I tell you. So then, he says no. And then David gets him drunk. And then David's thinking the man's going to go lay with his wife, but the man lays (laughs) on the doorstep. He was faithful to his service to the king. It irritated King David. So you know what he did? He wrote a letter. Put him in the most dangerous position. 
and said, here, take your own death sentence. Right. The guy didn't know what he was carrying. Take, basically, take your own death sentence and go. So the commander reads it, put him on the front, and then pull back. Let him be slaughtered. And as we know, Bathsheba ends up pregnant, David's, he ends up taking her in, you know. Mm -hmm. There's consequences, the baby dies, there's consequences to our sin. But such, the Bible describes David as the man, after God's own heart, he was wholly devoted to God. And yet, he was deceived. Now, praise God, he was, you know, repentive, and he turned to God, but he had to face consequences. And it's through David's lineage that Christ comes. This throne that which David was promised to an heir of his would reign forever, and that's the throne in which Christ rules and reigns. But still we see deception. Y'all, listen, let's not pretend... We're talking about a battle. We'll talk, we are talking about a war for your very mind and soul. Mm-hmm. Satan wants you in hell with him for eternity. Mm-hmm. He's the great deceiver. Mm-hmm. He's the angel of light. Let's not make him out to be this dark, gloomy type person. He's not. No. He'll be the one standing on your face telling you. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> That's <laughs> why is remembering now. Remembering the incident with, with what happened. Okay, we're recording, so I know. That's why we're moving on. <laughs> so That's what I don't but like he talk. will. <laughs> He's an angel of light. He presents himself. Here, take a bite of this. Go ahead, you have a right. Feel that way. Did God really say, do these people really love you? Look at you. Mm -hmm. You're a failure. You're a fool. Mm -hmm. You're no good. Nobody loves you. Of all the junk that's been done to you, you're worthless. And he lies. And let me tell you something. If we're not growing and maturing in the newness of our identity, we're going to sit down. Look upon him. Look upon her. It's not going to hurt. We better see that he wants to reap destruction on the souls of men and women. Mm-hmm. But we have the truth. And we don't have to be afraid of the darkness. We're not captives any longer. Don't go shackle yourself back up. You gotta rise up in Christ in the power and the authority and live it. And don't become prideful or arrogant. Don't think of yourself better than others. And you've got it all together because You'll gaze upon someone you shouldn't be gazing upon. 
You'll give in to something you ought not to be given into. And it he will rule you and control you. He'll come in as fast as you can even imagine. Just darkness. And then all of a sudden the games and the mind tricks and everything. You just start pulling away. Remember, Satan's desire is to destroy love. He wants to make a mockery of love. He always counteracts. You know. What's the word I'm looking for? Counterfeit. Counterfeit. Thank you. God's. What God has produced. So we have to be careful. Look at the teaching of Paul. Yvette, would you read that one? Paul voiced his concern for believers in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, 4, 3 through 4, and 11, 3, and 1 Timothy 4, 1, when he wrote, I am afraid that, I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Think about that. We've heard that and we've read the scriptures before. We've talked about it at length here. The Bible's very clear that there will be those who will turn from the true faith in Christ and begin to follow doctrines of demons. They will begin to be deceived by what they believe. And we're seeing that a lot. Where ministries have started grounded and rooted in Christ. In just a few years, all of a sudden their teachings are all over the place. And they're growing in numbers by the masses of thousands. But yet, they're deceived. Because they see the numbers and they see the the funding and so you can't tell them that their message is wrong. They don't see that they're in error any longer. They will most likely tell you that they gain a greater understanding. And they'll make conjure up stories to back what they're doing. And then they'll talk down to people as if you're ignorant and you just don't understand the ways of God. You have to be enlightened to these new truths that there is no hell. This is what they teach. They don't even talk about the blood of Jesus. They make it just all this guru talk of self-exaltation all using his name. And people will fall away. This message in which we're sharing here tonight, it's not popular. Our flesh doesn't really like it. People see it and go, yeah, you're foolish. But the early church, they were reminded then, so we should be reminded. That's why you always heard me say, read the letters to the churches. Constant theme, grow up, mature. Who's bewitched you? Why are you following another gospel? Why are you gone that way? Why are you doing this now? That's not the way to do it. 
Who's bewitched you? And Paul uses strong words throughout these letters. I wish that they would mutilate themselves. Paul goes straight, boom, 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 uh, uh, laying out and exposing what's going on. He's reminding the church, your identity is in Christ. You are a brand new creation. You belong to Jesus. That's why I love it whenever he opens up the letters. I'm a bond servant. I'm a slave for Christ. I'm not living for myself anymore. My desire is just to make Jesus known. May I boast in nothing else but the cross of my Lord. Could you imagine if that's how you talked all every day? And believed? We're talking about a man who was hunting down Christians trying to kill them before he came to Jesus. And listen to his words. As the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these letters. To not just for the church then, but for the church today and the church to come until he returns. Look at the renewing of the mind. All right, read C, and then the four, the four points, please. The Bible teaches that we are to use our minds actively and not passively. We should focus our thoughts externally, not internally. One, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. See Colossians three fifteen through sixteen. To prepare your mind for action, see First Peter one, verse thirteen, and three. Focus your mind actively and externally. And four. Choose your truth. Choose the truth. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Kara, can you go to Colossians three fifteen through sixteen, and then Yvette, First Peter one thirteen. peace of God that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Right. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Amen. Four steps to do each day and throughout the day. Listen to these. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And ask yourself, what does that look like for yourself? But also with that, I made notes under, under those two um, with the scriptures. Um, for that one, I put, um, the, okay, the message of Christ is to fill your hearts, but um, also from that, um, I think that a key part of that verse, that, that they, of the verses that they put, which they didn't put down here, but it was to be thankful. Mm -hmm. um, because along with having the peace of Christ, 
comes that gratitude. Um, because when you when you have a heart of gratitude, um, it's easier to be at peace. Um, and with that, also I also wrote down teaching it and counseling with wisdom. Yeah. And it's important to look at that and do these this exercise like you just did. Like I was just asking you, what does that look like for you? Well, that was the, the answer. The grateful heart. What does it look like daily for Christ, the peace of Christ, to rule in your hearts? Think about your interactions this week, that it wasn't ruling in your heart. And have you really allowed yourself to be sorrowful, repentant of that? Like, God. Not beating yourself up and playing the blame game and all the weirdness that we do, because all of us fall in weird enslavement to it. Mm-hmm. But the reality of truth is, wow, no, I gave up that. I gave up that ground. We should be advancing forward, not retreating backwards. And then be serious about our lives. What does it look like for the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. That peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's a fullness, a wholeness. Gratitude, being grateful. We're so quick to complain. We're so quick to have negative actions and thoughts. Instead of focusing. So this step one. In order to prepare against the battle of the mind, for your mind, let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. And then think about it. The next step. Then prepare your mind for action. And you said you had something for that one? Yeah, the, my points that I wrote down from that one um, was, first of all, was have self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, in preparing your mind, that verse really pointed out the need for self-control. And also, um, in preparing your mind, like where do you focus your energy? Where are you focusing your hope? And your your hope is in your salvation. So, so for me, it was self-control and then focusing my hope in my salvation. Remember we talked about on Sunday, and I was encouraging you that it's time to start believing what God has said. So many times we ask Him, and He's like, I've already done it. Just believe. Just believe. If we truly understand, begin to understand what we have in Christ, then Lord, help me with my unbelief that I have self-control. Why am I just going off whenever I want? When I have it, if I believe it, I'll move in that. So when I'm pressed on every side, I don't have to react. I can prepare my mind as I'm getting up for the day. After I settle with myself as I'm awakening in the morning and then throughout the day, that the peace of Christ is going to rule and reign in my heart and in my life. And in doing so, I need to go ahead now before I get up from the bed to prepare my mind for action. Because there's going to be things lodged at it. There's going to be things that's going to come and press up against me. But I must remember. Prepare myself for what's ahead. And then, in that preparation, begin to focus your mind actively and externally. Well, I, I kind of, this one was weird for me. So I was like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. then, 
If you go back to see where it was talked about mm -hmm. in the renewing of your mind, um, I underline that we should focus our thoughts um, externally and not internally. And then, even before that, that the Bible teaches, and I really have to give some thought to this, the Bible teaches that we are to use our minds actively and not passively. And I actually was like, okay, well, I, what does this mean? And um, I was reminded of um, Rob was talking about one time when he went to the salt room for a massage and this woman, um, you know, most of the people there are new age type of people and this woman was giving him a massage and he was, uh, she was focusing in like on his head and basically she was, to correct me if I'm wrong, but she was telling you to basically like clear your mind mm -hmm. and into your mind. Go and, in. Yeah, go in. Focus and, in, in right. or, internally. Right. And so when I'm, and I thought like that it brought that that story, his recounting that to my mind. And um, when you think when you think about like we can use, I'm I'm also reminded I'm going to sneeze soon, so I'm sorry. It's I don't know when it's going to come. Um, when I think about what Roger shared when we were at the beach, um, when he was sharing about um, Christian meditation, you know, and what the difference is, yes. and what New Age, you know, meditating on the Word of God is, versus, maybe it's going away, versus, um, like, what New Age meditation is, and, like, the Zen, and, like, the whole point of, like, yoga, and getting in touch with your, you know, I was really, you probably never listen to this, so it's fine, I was really irritated with, um, my cousin's wife, um, on she put up, and, and they're they they don't they're not of God, so I shouldn't be irritated. So I should take that word back, because they this woman has never darkened the door of a church a day in her life. But I call them my nieces, even though they are they're my cousin's children, two girls. They live over in Coco. Um, one is like seven, and one's like five. Well, she put up a picture of them the other day, and, like, she's teaching them these yoga moves, and they don't know what it is, but I was like, they're so little, and you're just, te you're teaching them this, this nonsense, and she thought it was cute, and, uh, you know, I was just kind of rolled my eyes out, but I was, you know, they don't know any better, like, you know, like, like, the sitting and the, like, the, that kind of weird stuff or whatever, but I was like, it just, just to see that in my own family, it just, it just bothered me, but, um, when you do stuff like that, that the whole point of that is to like focus internally, to empty your mind. And so when I read here that the Bible says upside down, that we are to use our minds actively and not passively, that's what it reminded me of. Like we are not to just empty our minds and focus in on ourselves because it says we are to focus our thoughts externally and not internally. We are not to just focus in on, you know, to get in touch with yourself and, you know, that we, we are created to worship a higher power and that is God. And so that's completely opposite of what the world is teaching and how, you know, the world teaches to how to find peace is to go off and meditate and clear your mind and become Zen and all of that. So anyway, that's kind of like what I took away from that when it says, Focus your mind actively and externally. Like, you know, no, clearing your mind and having empty, dead space, no. We're to focus on one of these scriptures that said, focus your mind on things above. Yeah. You know, not on 
temporalness. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I took away from it. Well, it's like I told that lady too. I don't need to go inward. I, I follow Jesus. And she stopped right there. There is no need to continue. I didn't pay you to give me a, a lesson to do it myself. Just rub me. <laughs> it's interesting okay. because that's the counterfeit yeah. again. Oh yeah, it's all counterfeit. Every time there's a thing with God, there's a mirror. Yep. There's a mirror counterfeit. We gotta be aware of that. It, and it's like even if it looks the Bible good. says do it externally, mm -hmm. the enemy, and all the deception says do it internally. Yep. The Bible says this. There's always there's always that it's like this you move, he move. It's like a chess game mm -hmm. that you know, eventually checkmate will hit. When you think of and you've heard me say this. So when we think of the word internally, we shouldn't be going internally. We shouldn't be going in because when we go in, we're focusing on self. 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 And what is self? It's dead. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we don't need to go internally. Our lives are not now based, we're not living for ourselves any longer. We're living for Christ. So we're setting our gaze outward. And I love the fact that this calls us to obedience. Like, we just don't become a Christian and we're just morons, we're just ignorant people who don't work, who, who are lazy, who just, oh, we're just waiting on God to return. <laughs> no, we're to be diligent. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bible is very clear. Yeah, the Bible says you, store up for the yeah, future. It's yeah, the Bible is very clear. If you don't work, you don't eat. Right, and when that day comes. You know? The Bible is very clear that you're not to be lazy. You're to be, the, you're, you're to be a hard worker. And you're to do everything without complaining, fault-finding, and grumbling. Mm -hmm. Oh, we all need to hear that. Mm -hmm. Because we give ourselves the right to do that. For how someone said, someone acted, someone whatever. And we're quick. But we've got to start realizing, no, wait a minute. This is who we are now. By faith, this is whom we are putting our belief in. And in that, we are being conformed to His image. And it's not a life that can't not be obtained. It is a life that we can have. Because we have the power, the resurrective power within us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember the Word of God says, don't live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. Like if we really put this into practice, if we throughout the day that the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to prepare our mind for action, to focus our mind actively and externally, and to choose truth. To choose truth. In every situation that presents itself, choose truth. And I like to say, choose life. Choose the days and the earth. Yeah, choose and life. Before you life death. I had lunch this week with a young man. God has done something amazing in this young man's life, TJ. And he asked me, he's like, Rob, you know, I really want to go to lunch with you. And so we went this week, and this kid, when I first met him, I think it was probably right out of high school maybe or somewhere in that, but he, he was lost. He's a, a child of one of the staff members there. Um, he was going through a really difficult time. And I got it approved to hire him. 
his life was out of control when I met him. And now when you sit and you hear him, I mean, I literally just had tears at the table listening to him. His life totally has, like, night and day. It's not the, And I told him, I said, you are not the same guy. Like, he's transformed. Transformed. And he has such a passion for the apologetics, the teachings, the foundational teachings of, of Christian faith. And how, how it should be applicable in our lives by giving thought to it. To be able to defend what we believe. And it's a, it's a, it's a ministry in the church that really isn't a lot. Like Ravi Zacharias is one. Right. It's not a popular, if you would, yeah. call to ministry. And he's hard. finding it really hard to like, where do I go with this? And I, I said, TJ, man, every time I listen to you, like he, like he talks, oh. And I'm like out here, I'm just like, and he can mathematically write it all out. And I'm just like, God, but he challenges my mind. He challenges my thoughts toward my beliefs. And he says, he says, Rob, you know, we're so quick to say to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, with all of our bodies. But do we really mean, do we know what that means? He says, we got it to where we understand how to love Him with our hearts, mm-hmm. with our souls, with, maybe even with our bodies. But do we truly love Him with our mind? Because Rob, how many times do you give thought to that during the day? Loving God with your mind. Wow, yeah, think about this. And I'm listening to Him, He's so passionate about it. So passionate. And then when he looks at me and drive, I get down on my knees and I pray. And you know what I said to myself as he was talking? I said, he does. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who say, well, I pray, or I do this, yeah. or I do that. and I, It's just words. Mm-hmm. You, can you can tell because there's no fruit in their lives from it. You're like, oh, okay. But when I'm, li- I'm looking at him, I'm like, in my head I'm going, this guy does it. Like, yeah. I'm listening to him, and I'm re- I know where he came from, and I just go, God, this is amazing. So I meet with him like monthly, and, and, I, and I'm so encouraged of the different doors that are, I'm hoping one day to get him here to come speak, but he can lay out, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. truth like I've never heard anyone laid out and it's way over my head but he challenges me and he he's out I hate to read he hated school he hated doing he says but now you should see he carries books with him and we're talking books (laughs) of philosophers I mean of you name it and he can give you the intellectual argument to say most of the words he says (laughs) argument And I'm just sitting there, and he goes, have you ever heard of this? And he's going on and on, I'm like, God, no, I haven't. <laughs> and it's just, and I'm like, where did I get this? I, you know, God just keeps downloading in me. And he had an opportunity to go to some high school to share with the high school kids. And the response from the leaders from the high school ministry was like, 
the way these kids responded, they have never responded. He has such a passion for the youth. He says, we're training them up. And they don't, and then, and then, we know, sorry, he says, we're not training them up. They have a concept of Jesus, but they don't know. And so when they go to college, when they go out from out from underneath their homes, their faith is challenged, and because they're not grounded, because they've never, never taught to love him with their minds, they get lost. And they, they end up reaping destruction. But I thought, I was thinking of him as we're talking about this, because to focus your mind actively and externally, to, to ask yourself, I mean, that's a question for you. Do you, have you ever thought about loving Christ with your mind? And what does that look like? To be active in thinking, preparing your mind, allowing His peace to rule you, and to choose truth. So, carry the witness. You want to read that and answer that? With the, oh, with the barren, when you talk about, when y'all were talking about him going to the salt thing, and the, and the lady was getting ready to, or telling you to go inward, mm. it's funny because what I got in my mind's eye was, when you go inward, it's empty, it's barren. It's like you're standing in this barren mm-hmm. desert, and it's just you looking at this expanse, because if you are dead inward, if you start going inward, Oh, you're gonna. You are. You're. You're literally dead. Not. I mean, and I don't mean the dead to self thing. I mean, dead. you're dead. Yeah. You're alone. You're there inside nothing. yourself, and it's nothing but this expanse of nothingness, because God's not gonna be mm-hmm. in self. It's just something that just kind of. When you're sitting, I'm sitting here thinking. Huh? I'm seeing this picture in my head going. God, it's like this empty, barren place that there's. You're just standing here, and it's just vast brown. No, it, 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 when we think about the deception, when, we th- when you think about everything that's out there, and even now this huge big move of the Unitarian Church, where you can be Christian, you can be Buddhist, you can be Muslim, you can be whatever. We're all worshiping God, but we're just getting to Him on a different road. What was that? And it's being <laughs> embraced at the Unitarian Church. They said everybody's going what? Everyone, everyone's going to God. God. We're all just on different paths to Him. So that's why we can come together and worship together and we can be one together. It's this oneness. And that's how the, the world's heading. The New World Order. The New World Religion. And then if you go against that, then you're on the outside. But Jesus, remember, Jesus says, you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to divide. I came to expose the lies of the enemy. And so let's not get, let's not get deceived by thinking that it's supposed to, we're all supposed to stand around and sing Kumbaya. No, in the last days, the love of many is going to grow cold. Many people will walk away from the true faith, and they only seek for themselves. And in seeking for themselves, they will, they'll, they'll hate you. So, Carrie, read the witness part. Freeing people from demonic strongholds was the primary appeal of the gospel in the early church. Mm-hmm. And the basis for much of the early church's evangelistic, evangelistic efforts 
Since Satan has blinded the minds of your non-Christian friends, how can you be a positive witness to them? My, I have two answers. Um, live opposite of the world and also live what you speak. Mm, amen. Anyone answer? Any other answers? Norma likes mine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 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 And I leave the opposite. How can someone doesn't believe are going to believe what I'm saying? It's like you are forcing me. You know what I'm saying? So how can you tell me this when you don't even live that way? You know. So remember, we're to live honorable lives. You know, humble. And we also should not think of ourselves as important. We're all, we're, all to be, we're to be servants. And really, how is your service, you all? I mean, let's get real with this. Get your eyes off yourself and start focusing on how you can serve others. Sometimes we just got to be quiet. And not being quiet is not just biting your tongue and I don't want to say anything. No, be quiet in your mind. <laughs> because that's where it's all at. And to be quick to pray for people. I was thinking about what you shared. How quick were you, instead of being frustrated, to turn around and pray right then for them and to continue to pray for them? Because a lot of times we can get frustrated with what we see, but if what's our frustration going to do? Nothing. We must turn it around to intercession. That's where prayer is birthed. That's where intercession is birthed. The enemy, listen, he's a, he, he messes up. He exposes himself to us so that we can pray for our loved ones and those around us. But yet we get so caught up and angry at them. For being lost. Yes! And that's what you always hear me say. Why are we angry at the world? We can't be angry at the world. we got to learn to have compassion and to pray for them. They're, doing only, they're only doing what they're doing. And think if Jesus can say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And think about that. I love, I was thinking about this today. When we ask for God to forgive them, we're saying, God, don't hold them accountable, basically, for what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Forgive them. If I forgive someone, then I'm no longer going to continue to hold them accountable for what they did. I forgave them. The charges are not against them. They're forgiven. To be able to plead that way. When's the last time you pleaded that way on someone's behalf? When's the last time you prayed that their eyes wouldn't be blinded any longer? When's the last time you prayed for a laborer to come along their path to sow the seed or to water the seed? When's the last time you really took your authority, the right that you've been given to pray for others who are deceived by Satan instead of being hurt and wounded by them? But realize, wow, Satan, you just tripped up. You just revealed your ugliness. And in Jesus' name, we begin to bind and we begin to loose. We begin to intercede. We begin to to, to show acts of love and of service, 
even if they despise us. We're not seeking to make a name for ourselves. We want to be maintained as a positive witness to them. And listen, we don't want to preach the Christian life to people. We got to stop telling them how they ought to be living when they're not saved. But we do that. No, you have to share like it was in the beginning of this. The first step, the gospel. Show them, show them your need for a savior. Allow them to see the fullness of Christ in your life. Then once they come to Christ, disciple them. Hold them accountable. Teach them spiritual lessons. Listen, if we don't have a desire to do it, then we're nothing. We're just a group of people doing nothing. Listen, I don't want to be like every other church. I believe God has given us something to prepare us for the times that's ahead. And we ought to start preparing. We ought to start praying. We ought to start being ready to be moved. I know people step in here and they want to see it like church. They're not going to find that here. This is doing life. We want to equip people to live everyday life. We don't want your money to build. We're not asking you to overdo yourself and get overloaded with ministry. No, we're just asking you to live your life as a believer. Give when you can give. Share when you, what you can share. Serve as you serve. Listen, that's what we want to exalt in this ministry. We're not trying to be like every, every other church that's out there. We want people to come in here and find out, wait a minute, there's a standard in which they're called to live by. And that's Jesus. This is, this is what we want to build. A fellowship. We want to build lives. And I'm tired of losing focus of that. And God has been dealing with me. I know there's a lot of people who want to speak into this ministry. But they have no vision for this ministry. They want us to be like everyone else. And if you're not like everyone else, then it's, it's just not, it's not it. No. God has birthed something. Look around this room. A bunch of broken, sick, twisted people... That is not nice. It's not nice. It's true. Yeah. Of our old nature. And twisted. I'm not both. Yeah. One or the other. You pick. But I don't get to be both. Wrapped up at all. (laughs) But think about that. And we have endured. Oh, Jesus. We have endured, and here we are going deeper. That's a mark of a true fellowship. I don't care what man says. I'm not here to please man or do what man wants. All I can do is hold out what Christ has given us to do. And those who want to be a part of this fellowship, praise God. Those that don't, praise God. We're not stopping. We need to start having a vision for the future. And it begins with discipling. Let it begin to take root in your life so you can get out there and you can start impacting others.
with truth, with truth, let them start seeing this life can be lived and you should have such compassion for them. Again, don't tell them about the Christian life if you don't introduce them to, the, to Jesus, whom they will follow. You heard me say before, stop giving them the kingdom benefits and not give them the king. We tell people, pray to Jesus, and they don't even know Jesus. Pray to Jesus, he'll fix it. We're so quick to give them benefits without the king. So let's not be that way. Let's be able to present the gospel, present the, the steps of growth and maturity. Again, get in front of your mirror, walk through each of these sessions, make them applicable for your... It's not about learning the book. See, I don't want you to learn the book and look, I got everything down. No, because then it's not genuine. Then all we're doing is just, just going and, and telling lessons that we've learned and I can quote book, 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 book. Yeah. No, it has to be lived. So challenge yourself. How is this applied in your life and how can you uh, encourage others to apply it in theirs as they come and accept Jesus? So we have some discussion questions to wrap up. No. No. Oh. Is Satan... This is a great one, you all. These questions, if you haven't done these questions... Write your answers tonight or go back because I'm checking your book. Your book. All of you. You're checking it I don't know. Spot checks. I'll just knock on your door. <laughs> Hand me your book. Yours too. Come on, number one was easy. Listen, but let me tell you real quick. But let me tell you real quick. This, this is an important, this is an important chapter, you all. It really is. And these questions are so good to really bring out application in your life. Because you haven't thought of given thought to, you need to give thought. Because again, it all comes back to allowing your belief in Christ to conform you to his image. So listen to this. This is a great question. If Satan because we talk about it a lot, is defeated and disarmed, how is he able to continue to rule this world? He's allowed to by God. That was my enormous answer. And the word, if you would, that we hear in church, if you would, that describes that is God's sovereignty. God's in control, you all. Satan does not move on his own. The authority he's been given, he can do. But this is his home. Mm-hmm. He's been, like we were talking about in the yard. Yeah. What he giving, giving when you're talking about he's mm-hmm. given this much rope to yeah. hang himself. Yeah. He's been given this much rope. Exactly. So, and we have to get, and that's a hope that we have as believers. That's why we don't get caught up in craziness out there, because we know God is sovereign. Even in our own lives, when things are going crazy in our lives, we don't have to start grasping, like, oh, oh, God. No, we just realize, okay, God, you are still in control. And that's why you've heard me say over and over and over, he is God now, and he's God forever. 
as he's be, always been God. He can't be God right now. We're all in church. Oh, praise God, everything looks good. And then all of a sudden we get the call. Or one of you drop dead here. Or something weird happens. Bombs start going off. All of a sudden chaos starts in the earth. And all of a sudden now we're saying he's not God. No, we have to un- come to an understanding that when we come into salvation, into Christ Jesus, our hope and our faith is in Christ and in that he's sovereign. So God, however you want to move, God, however you bring it about, we're trusting the fact that Jesus is returning. He's already told us that the world is going to get darker. He's already informed us that the days are going to grow more evil. He's already told us that you're going to have trouble in this world. He's already told us, don't go your way, abide and remain in me. God is sovereign. Paul even has to address it to the church, the early church. He tells them, who were you, mere mortal, to question God? And I know it's a popular belief that it's okay to question God and raise up your hand and your fist and throw it up at him. Although, I caution you, careful, careful to think that you have the right to stand. Careful. Who are you, mere mortal, to question God? If he wants to create vessels for destruction, then so be it. Who are you to question God? Because all of it's used to bring forth the knowledge of God to reveal his glory. Come on, you all. Come on. I had a young girl years ago I counseled. She was so tormented that Satan could not have the right to repent. She was so That's tormented weird. that Satan would go to hell. That why doesn't he have a right to repent? <laughs> and she <laughs> thought about it and kept giving thought about it and kept giving thought about it. And she did. And no, she did. She was I can't I can't accept God. I can't accept Jesus. And she walked away from the faith. But if there's it's evil and good. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you could see it, but for her, and this is what we were talking about earlier in our lesson about deception. Yeah. Exactly. She was so consumed that she couldn't see the goodness and the love of God. That Satan would never want to repent because his whole purpose was to see himself rise up above God because he's so full of pride and arrogance. She was on his behalf. <laughs> oh, she, yeah. She said, I, I spit in prayer. God is going to answer my prayer. No, oh, no, sweetie. What on earth? <laughs> He's going to be right the Bible. <laughs> I said, honey, it's already said back here. We're going to get a new version of the Bible. But anyways, oh you know, it sounds That's funny, sad. but no, it's sad. I know it is. I mean, she has left. What? She has turned. But that's how people are deceived. But the sovereignty of God is something that we have got to, as believers, have as a foundation for us. Like, He's God. Everything is in His control. She probably, I don't know. That sounds to me like she was just trying to challenge somebody's mind. Well, she, her mind was her challenged. Her mind got challenged. Yeah, that's the issue. She so, she, for, for genuine, that's what she was tormented by in her mind. For quite some time, that and how sad! Battle. Oh, it's a huge spiritual battle. But it would be the same thing like when, when the Bible, when you just say mm-hmm. about when God said that He created vessels to 
it could be too big for destruction, or it could be yeah. for him to honor him. So it's his choice. Yeah. I mean, I always say, since I've been saved, I say, God, thank you that you don't choose me to be the best yeah. of destruction. Thank you, I'm not on the destruction. Listen, I, I, yeah. when I've shared that with someone, yeah. that twisted her and her husband's head, and they got angry. How dare you? And I'm like, well, how dare me? You're taking up with God. Yeah, taking up with Him. Yeah. The Bible's very clear. I know. The Bible's very clear. Is God? I can't take. I'm not going to change God's word just to make you love. You know, want to? You feel like everything's this hugs and muffin weird religion? No, God is sovereign. He's all authority. He's all powerful. And I'm not going to strip him down so that you can feel comfortable with him. No, he's holy. He's God. And if what he chooses, I mean, when you think of Judas, he was with you. Yeah. He was purposed to betray yeah, that, Jesus. Yeah, sometimes I God pardoned Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. And yeah, Paul uses Pharaoh as an example. So if God is sovereign, over all. And he's okay to be sovereign. He's a just God. Amen. He doesn't make mistakes. That's why we need to see him seated. He's not wringing his hands out, pacing back and forth, how he's going to fix whatever is happening in your life. Well, you know, now that you say that, what I made me think is when, when you say about Pharaoh and when you think about the devil, the enemy, hmm. if you think about it, when God created us with only one purpose, to worship Him. Yes. But when He, he looked my heart, He looked everybody's heart, so He knows, he knows. That, is, that we are not going to change the way that we think, the way that we think about Him. So He said, you know what? <laughs> All right, you know what? I know you're not going to change, so I'm going to use you as a vessel of destruction. You know what I'm saying? So and we see that even when Jesus was on the earth. He would, he said, the Bible's clear, he knew their hearts. Exactly. Right. They, 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 he knew that they were turned from them because they're just, they were so consumed yeah. with themselves. Yeah. Anyway. So yes, the sovereign will of God. I it's, gave the answer to number two on Wednesday night if you were listening. And this is important. Jerry. The struggle in your mind, and, I, and I'm going to answer this and then I'll have you all answer it. But the struggle in your mind can consist of mental strongholds, mm -hmm. flesh patterns, mm -hmm. or it can be a spiritual battle for your mind. How can you tell the difference? One, mental strongholds. Remember what the strongholds are. Yeah. The difference, how you know it's a mental stronghold, is because it's coming into an agreement with untruths. Your thoughts become contrary to God's truth. And once they become contrary to God's truth, you begin to act upon them. Mm -hmm. Flesh patterns. Willfully choosing to rebel. Mm -hmm. Because it's enticed you. Mm -hmm. It's a fleshly desire. You have forgotten to nail, or that you've nailed your desires to the cross and crucified yeah. them there. So you just fall into the flesh nature. You give in. It's enticing. Mm -hmm. And then the spiritual battle, it's when accusations are being hurled at you and your identity becomes confused. Mm -hmm. A mental stronghold, can you think about one thing too much and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, So that's like yesterday I saw this picture on Instagram and it was like 
it was for gay people. Mm -hmm. And they were like, God's not against gays. And they were like searching for like scriptures in the Bible. And they like highlighted, I, I didn't read it. And I right. just passed by it. But they were like, God said this. And I was like, you just like, they're like twisting it. Yeah, and they will. In fact, years ago, after I gave my life to Christ, I was living for Christ, I came across the gay teaching, the gay church mm -hmm. teachings. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to read them. So I laid in bed and I began to read the gay teachings. And after I finished reading it, I said to myself, maybe I missed something. And I began to think and start giving thought. And then all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to my heart. He says, look again. What are they giving you the right to? And I said, oh, to myself. But the true gospel message is, you're to consider yourself dead, but alive in Christ. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for protecting my mind. Thank you for protecting me for not going my way. So you can take God's truth, and you can pull out different things and conform it to what you want it to be. But that's why you will always hear me challenge you. Don't do that. You want to take God's truth from beginning to end and see the fullness of who Christ is. Because from Genesis to Revelation, Christ is being revealed. And to live lives that are contrary to God's truth is perversion. It's distorting God's truth. And you're going your way on that path of destruction. And so, yeah, so it's giving thought to things that become your truth that is contrary to God's Word. And they may, got, they may wrap it up in a nice pretty package in a bow and look, and look, oh, look, it's from the Bible. <coughs> but if you have to look at the fullness of the Bible. So you have these three areas. But ultimately, all of them, ultimately, all of them come to challenge your identity, to strip you of the fullness of who Christ is and who you are in Him. That's why you must know the difference. Oh, Carrie, you had one that you want to answer? Well, you answered it. Oh, okay. There, there's no more answers. Any other feedback on that one? It's important to know the difference and how to recognize it. You always, if you're, here, if you're around me long enough, you always will hear me say you have three things that are waging war against your identity. Satan, the world, and your flesh. But God has given you the victory over each one. You live, thank you, as you believe. Remember that's so important, Ariana. You live as you believe. As you think, so you go. So if you're not on... If, if you're not honoring God, if you're not maturing as a Christian, if you're not growing, if you're not being discipled, if your roots aren't growing down deep, then you're going to only live out of the, re the rebellion that you know. So careful. Remember, as you think, so you go. Do you need to know the difference and why? So how we, we talk about how we can tell the difference, and do you need to know the difference and why? Because if it's a spiritual battle, you recognize that it's the, the enemy trying to bombard you with negative, yeah. with 
something that is, is not true. So you, if you know the word of God, you know how to address it and how to, I mean, know that it's, it's you know, yeah. Yeah. You said it. So you know how to fight. Yep. So you know how to fight. So you know how to respond. Yeah. You know what three things are coming get you. It could be all three at once. It could be one. It could be two. Yeah. But whatever, whatever's going on, you can recognize it. Okay. It's like, for example, I mean, yeah. I know it's late, but I just uh, like, for example, you know, I've been praying to God uh, for our enemy. I mean, for the persecuted church. Mm. And the other day, as I was praying in one of them, my morning prayer. Um, I don't know, I, I, I'm assuming that it was the Holy Spirit letting me know, like, prepare, because even like a month ago, for whatever reason, I start praying every morning. So as I open my eye, I put my feet in the floor, immediately I put the armor of God. For like, over like two months ago, I started doing that. Mm. So I didn't even realize until a couple of weeks ago as I was praying, like a week ago or so, um, in my prayer closet. <laughs> so anyway, so I was praying in, in, in a for the persecuted church and it was like this thought came into my mind like you're praying for the persecuted church for our enemy which is good but right now you are being persecuted and I need you to pray for your enemy yes. is it in another way which is like me yeah. God confirming it's yeah. easy to pray for you for someone who's so far away from you that mm-hmm. it's not even hurting you but right now but right now someone is challenge your faith and yep. all that together so you have to pray for those who yep. are lost because they don't know the truth that's right you know and and so that's so again battlefield i mean the the battlefield the, the spiritual battle yep. so when you recognize that it's a spiritual battle that is the enemy using somebody else or some situation whatever then you know how to target mm-hmm. those situations how to pray and how to intercede in behalf of that person and and how to like like wednesday night I was here sitting, and I realized, you know, I need to go to my room. I need to go to my room and spend time. It was like a battlefield. Mm-hmm. I felt it. I, I, I grabbed my Bible, oh, I texted you. And, and, and I start like, it was in James. I spent the whole time in this, mm-hmm. that's it, the first chapter of James, from verse 1 unto the verse 15. That's all I can do, pray and pray. And what he's saying there is talking about, Rejoice! I mean, count all joys when you go into trial, and you know, and and be, and it's a blessed to be to go into those trials. So that's all I can do that night. I pray that over and over and over, and and, and thanking God for 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 my situation, a specific at work. So I was like, okay, God, and that's what I did the whole time. until so finally, I took a pill. And <laughs> but yeah. that was the only way that I was able to like, you know. So I think that's that's the whole thing. Even though that I'm. I never did that assignment, but I think if you notice the beginning of this is the battlefield of mm-hmm. your mind, but it's about talking about the armor of God. That's right. You know, and I think if we don't prepare ourselves every morning how to stand against the enemy, flesh, and the body, the spiritual battle, of course we're going to fail. Yeah. But when those attacks come, you can recognize from where they're coming from, and you can, and you will be able to attack with. And, and we realize too. I'm sorry. Our position, we go back to thinking about our position in Christ, we already have the victory. So even in our times of battling, we're not battling out of point, God, this is so good, we're not battling out of the point of being defeated. No, because it's already We're out of victory. Yeah. So that's why we can come into an agreement with God's truth and we begin to speak forward. And before you know it, you're encouraging yourself in your faith and the circumstances out here may not change, but you've changed. 
I'm sorry, you want to say something? And I think we need to know for future. Yeah. Huh. Let's fix in the code because if yep. we're deceived now or we have doubt mm. Mm. or we have um, an undivided or a divided mind or an undecisive right. mind, mm. um, as the days grow darker and things are going to start mm. taking place, rest assured, because eventually the world's going to come to an end. I mean, he is coming back, mm. but it's going to be uh, it's going to be rough. And if we don't have know the difference now and, and start preparing our minds of being mindful of, wait a second, there's something that triggers you, and know what it is that, you know, know this difference, then in those days it's going to be tough, and if I go, well, wait a second, all right, this is, and she's like, no, that doesn't make sense to me, because we could be on two different planes here, and, mm -hmm. and you know, so it really needs to be, we need to know these differences now, and, and just be mindful and, and continue to um, educate ourselves, and for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. to so when those days come, it's it's spontaneous. It's kind of like when in law enforcement, that's one thing I can relate it to. I don't have to sit there and think about when when a situation happens to draw my gun or do whatever. It's it's there. It's in my hand, out, ready to go, do whatever I got to do. Same thing on split second decisions of what we need to be doing. Is this you know, is this the thing time where I have to go to you know lethal or can I do this? We don't have. It's it was an automatic. It, training you're, you're in a battle so you're in training continually here and we're putting on our armor every day we're getting used to carrying that armor with us every day we're continuing we're used to carrying our weapon which is the word of God and we're, we, we get used to where it's drawn at the right time or it's it's a discernment that it's like wait a second no that's that's not it and as we continue to do that we get in more and more it, it just becomes who we are becomes a part of us. Amen. And when we think too about the end times, I just want to remind us, mm -hmm. we as the church shouldn't be afraid. Yeah, not at all. And even when we talk about the end times, we all should, should always be talked with hope. Absolutely. So that those who are hearing it, if they are afraid, they can hear some reassurance to come to Christ. Because we do. And we can't dumb it down that it's not going to get rough. No, it's going to. But we as the church, we are to be burning bright. We're to be the hope. We're, we're out there ready to receive them, even if they beat us. Even if they spit on us. Even if they reject us. We are learning how to not live for ourselves, but to truly give ourselves away. So that his life will be made known. Listen, we've... As Christians, we've already reckoned in ourselves that we're dead already. We've already died. Yes. We're alive in Christ. And that's our hope. That's what we're waiting for you all. Is His return. And you see, when you start studying biblical prophecies, and you start seeing how things are laying out, mm -hmm. in a rapid speed of time, mm -hmm. We better not get afraid, and we better not get like. No, we better like recognize the times, as Jesus has said, to know the signs of the time, and just prepare. No one knows the day or the hour, but we must prepare for what's ahead. We must prepare, and we must encourage others to prepare, so that we're not caught off guard. So make sure fear, and don't let the enemy drive fear in of the end times. Don't let him, when you hear it brought up, you know, to like 
Oh my goodness. No, if you're feeling that, then just ask God to give you the comfort to know that you belong to Him, that you are secured in Christ, and then now how can I prepare for that time? So how do you want to use me? It's to be able to be used, to, yes. to go out there and yes. disciple people. So when they do have, if they do have a fear, yeah. you can reassure them in the peace that yes. surpasses understanding and the hope that we have. And it's like, oh wow, okay, and, yeah. and it brings them comfort because you're going to be, you're going to be, again, this is a teaching book. Yeah. So it's it's all about reaching those the lost. It's just, just all about reaching them. Yeah. And, and sharing, the yes, and okay. sharing the gospel Absolutely. with them, sharing them the hope that it's an accepting Christ. Where does your security, where does salvation come from? It's in Christ, you know, and it's accepting Christ for who He is as Lord and Savior. So it's important that we know the difference. Carrie, you already touched on this, but why don't you touch on it again, real quick? What is the difference between power and authority? Authority is the right and power is the ability. Amen. Which do believers have in the spiritual realm? And what qualifies them to have either? I have, we have the authority through the power of Christ. That's right. Because of our position in Christ, we have been given the authority. Listen, y'all, don't be deceived. There is a realm that you cannot see. The Bible says we do not argue with flesh and blood. And we wage war not against it. She always thinks I want a southern baby. I know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so how can you not do that while we're sharing it? What was that? No. Oh, my They're God. just messing. I don't know. It's a little late. Can we not send it? Oh, I don't. My no, southern level. Like, when we were talking downstairs one time, she was like, stay away from me. I was like, what am I going to do? I know, yeah, we had that conversation too that one night about I that. I can't sell And we had to be careful though of the interest in it. Because ultimately your interest in that realm is for the glory of God. And what happens is, just as Yvette can testify to this too or anyone else who's been caught up in the occult, we can be lured to those things. And that's how Satan deceives and destroys the gifting that God has gifting you because he perverts it for his kingdom. But when you grow as a believer and you realize that you've been gifted to discern spirits, to to, to move in this understanding, um, you use it for God's glory. And so then you know how to target in the spiritual realm because there is a realm you cannot see. And this is what what we are at war against. Not flesh and blood, but the Bible says against the rulers and against authorities and the principalities and the powers of the darkness. You know? And so, but we are not to be interested in them. We're not to give them rights. We are have the authority because of our position in Christ to begin to speak and see strongholds broken. To see people's lives set free. To see areas, cities set free from the power of Satan. This is the authority in which we have because of Christ. So, read Ariana. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 for me.
10 through 18. Putting on the armor of God requires an action by the believer. What must we do to actively put on the armor of God? So let's let her read this, and then if someone wants to answer that. Okay. Thank you for giving me water. You're welcome. Here, you want to use my hand? Just so you know, you're going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm going to we're going to sit down and do the gift thing. Remember, I told you last time oh. we were talking that night. Remember, Ari, we're going to do that tomorrow. Oh Sorry for you. All right, so go ahead. Just remember, Carrie made the copies for me, so I can sit down and do that with you all tomorrow. Can I do one too? Yeah. Can I do? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you've taken them, but we can do. You I take them again. I have them. I did. So. Do you have ours that are already done? Yeah, I still have y'all scores. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, this was years ago. Yeah. Years ago, y'all did them. Because I have yours. But if you want to do them again, you can. It's fine. Alright. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The final word. Mm, the final word. <laughs> Not yet, Art. We still got a couple minutes. <laughs> So let's walk through these pieces real quick. Well, first, who would like to answer that question? Did you finish through verse 18? I'm sorry. I'll pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers in So before we, I want to walk through each piece, but before we do that, what must we do to actively put on the armor of God? Be strong in the Lord, pray in the Spirit, stay alert. Amen. Amen. Believe. And believe. believe because yeah. you can have a weapon in your hand, but if you don't believe that you have bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's read what's the first part of the armor. I always start with my my the shoes. Yeah. Wait, let's go in order. It doesn't matter how you it doesn't matter how you start, but just the order of scripture, what was the first one, Ari? Alright, so let's belt. think about that. The belt of truth. I know why. Why? Because 
Because that's the foundation in God, is the truth of God. And if we have the bell which is whole your pants, whole everything. So you already have that your foundation is the truth of God. Very good. Which is gonna hold you. It's important that as and you should get in that habit daily putting on the armor. It's good to remind yourself daily. Remember we talked about those steps of preparing yourself for battle? Yeah. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. Where it talks about prepare your mind for action. Yeah. Focus your mind actively and externally and then choose truth. This is part of it. As you're getting up and you're declaring these. And as if you're placing them on you. So we're tightening, tightening that belt of truth around us. Because we are in the truth. And so what's the next piece? Alright. The yeah. shoes, the yeah. sandals of what? The breastplate of righteousness. According to the scripture. Okay. So, the breastplate of righteousness. Mm-hmm. What is that? And what do you think that, what do you think that covers that. and protects? Your chest and your back. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm, I'm looking at you. Go ahead. I, what's that? I can't faith. Hear you. Oh, faith. But well, we're gonna get to faith because the shield of faith. So what? If you're putting on a breastplate, if you're looking at that soldier right there, that's the armor pieces. Yes. Right. The vital organs. But you're right. The key organ for a believer is what you just said. The heart. And it's the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. And what does righteousness mean to you? Do you know what righteousness means or is it just the word? Right standing with God. Right standing with God. And how can you claim to be in right standing with God, Ari? That's your, what's the answer? See, now I have the answer he doesn't want I'll come to you in a minute. How can you know that you're in right standing with God? Because... Is there anything that you can do to make yourself right with God? In and of yourself? Right. So who do you need? That's right. So you're in right standing with God because of... Yeah. Everything. And that's important for us to know. That's why I wanted to work it through with her. I know. For all of us. Yes. You can't, because if you think you can make yourself right with God, then you become religious. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to come to a place where what protects our heart, what protects our vital organs, what's this breastplate of righteousness represent? It's this right standing with God. Your heart is being transformed, if you would. It's being conformed into the to the likeness of, of Christ. He's given you a new heart. You're in right standing with God. Can you think if you if you really believe that, can you imagine the decisions that you will make throughout the day? Because you're in right standing with God all because of what Jesus did, your life would be lived. And so when the assailant comes to, to attack your heart. You can be able to, it's protected because of your standing with God. All because of Jesus. Your heart doesn't have to grow weary. 
It doesn't have to be affected or afflicted by the things of this world because it's protected. And so what's the next piece? The sandals of peace. What does that represent to you all? He's the Prince of Peace mm -hmm. because I'm in Christ. Everywhere I go, mm -hmm. I should represent Him and the peace of Christ should be with me yes. all the time. Yes. No matter what can comes against me, I should still maintain mm -hmm. my peace That's right. and my confidence yes. in Him and not in my own knowledge and understanding. Yes. So Walk my peace in peace. Never be shaken. That's right. Walk in peace. Everywhere your feet tread, carry His peace with you. Bible to war against that realm that wants to war against you to strip you of your identity in Christ that will love nothing more for you to be dragged to hell with them you got to understand what you are up against not in and of yourself but in Christ remember the position is out of victory not out of defeat we win because of Christ so what's the next piece? The shield of faith. The shield of faith. And tell me what the Bible says. To quench the fairy arrow of the evil one. Yeah. So the enemy is throwing fiery darts at you. Yeah. Throughout the day. And by faith, you can lift up that shield. And faith, you walking by faith and not by sight, quenches. Yeah. It, 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 this, it, it, the, the flames go out. Yeah. They actually, their shields were made with a leather covering and they used to soak their shields in water. So when the flames would come at them from the enemy that were on fire, they, they would put them up. And so the, the fire would go out because their shields were actually wet. And so for us, as we lift up faith, as we're walking by faith, those arrows can't get through. The fire is put out because we're not moved by what we see. Remember, you're supposed to live by faith. In faith alone, in Christ Jesus. This is the hope that we have. So when, they, when the enemy throws the fiery darts, shoots the arrows, get the shield of faith up. It's like that force field. I'm walking by faith. I'm not moved. I'm not moved by my circumstances, my insecurities, or anything else. No, my faith is in Christ and in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And this and this is how you just begin to talk. Could you imagine if you start exerting faith instead of exerting all the insecurities and everything that we find ourselves doing? Mm -hmm. Like if you really just start standing up and you begin to, to speak forth the, the truth, you won't waste years being depressed and overwhelmed and anxious for everything. Mm -hmm. You won't be a, a blubbling, insecure mess seeking to have value from the world the majority of your life because you already know that you're complete in Christ. So what's the next? The I love this one. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? Your brain. Yeah, the mind. So you have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's the helmet of salvation. Yeah. As you think, so you go. Mm -hmm. But putting on that helmet, mm -hmm. reminding yourself of the salvation which you received in Christ. Mm -hmm. 
that protects your identity. Because yeah. your mind will be focused on the salvation which Christ has given you. Mm. I'm not going to allow thoughts and I'm not going to allow things in that's contrary to the truth in which He has said. Mm. I'm not giving thought because I know if I give thought to it, it's going to drag me away. It'll give me rights to myself. It'll give the enemy a foothold to develop strongholds. Mm. It'll give the right to the enemy to torment my mind. But if I put on the helmet of salvation daily, if I recognize, could you imagine if you really believed, you get up tomorrow, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted. I've been engrafted into his family. and I've been given the right to call him daddy. If you really start believing it, how different your life would be. And then lastly, the sword of the spirit which the bible says is the word this is your weapon this is all you can go back against those principalities and rulers remind them because remember when there was when jesus has the encounter with demons they know the word of god the word of god says they tremble at it they also question jesus are you here ahead of time <laughs> why are you here jesus it's not time yet basically are you here to torment us? Oh, they know what's coming. That's why we're not to give them any credit. It has, no, it has the power in which it's given because of God's sovereignty, but it does not have the power to destroy a Christian's life because we've been given the dominion back. We have the authority over it. And so this is what we use. And then when even Jesus was led into the wilderness after his baptism... It says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God led Jesus in to the wilderness. And Satan met Jesus there and tempted him. Showed him all of his dominion and basically told Jesus, I'll give it to you if you would just worship me. I'll give you this world. But ah, remember what Jesus says. This world, my kingdom is not of this world. You're offering me Nothing. Now he didn't say that at that time to Satan, but in the end, when he's standing before Pilate, he tells Pilate, "This kingdom is not my kingdom is not of this world." But how Jesus in the wilderness dealt with Satan, he said, "The word of God says," and then he spoke the truth. Satan would present himself again. And Jesus would remind him the word of God. Third time, the word of God. And then it said Satan departed him. And then ministering angels came to minister to him. See, we've got to just to stand on the word of God. And use that to speak forth. They said the word is alive and active. The Bible describes the word as like, an, like a sword. Mm -hmm. A double-edged sword. <laughs> is your weapon if you're not using it if you don't understand it you're going to get taken out you're going to get so lost in this world and in the end it's your it's your but you're doing it's not god's doing you chose to rebel instead of to love remember that you all remember satan just wants to destroy love and he'll twist and pervert you to where you'll be just like him. But don't be a child of wrath. Don't be, don't be meant for destruction. 
turn from it and receive Jesus. Grow up in your faith. Acknowledge Him in all that you do. So, what has already been done by Christ that we no longer have to do? Say that again. Blood paint for sin. Yep. That's right, it's finished. Nothing more. All we do is we believe. Trust and obey. Alright, so what is the practical difference between trying not to, this is a good one, trying not to think negative thoughts and choosing to think upon that which is true? back to the concept that we've already talked about using our mind actively versus um, not passively mm-hmm. what the Bible has to say about that that's why when you try not to think negative thoughts you're trying in your own strength mm-hmm. but choosing is to live in applicable active faith in his truth mm-hmm. applied faith mm-hmm. living it out how can you renew your mind? Mm, Pulling down strongholds, taking every thought captive by replacing them with the truth of God. And I'm going to go back to the four steps. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Prepare your mind for action. Focus your mind actively and externally. And choose truth. That's how you can prepare your mind. And then how can you stop treading water and instead swim to shore? Be active with a purpose in mind. Have a focus. Remember, this new life, you all, as Christians, it's all empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have to go away so that he will come. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Give him the right to sit on the throne of your heart. Talk daily to God. Seek him. Ask him. Let him direct your path and your steps. Let him grow you. Let him mature you. Listen, the temporal things in life, listen, we've all tried them. They never will satisfy you. You may get a quick high, you may get a quick a quick thrill but it soon fades leaving you empty and wanting more but not in Christ he fulfills you he completes you if you truly let him reign so suggestion for quiet time meditate every day during the coming week and please do so if you're not actively studying if you're not actively in the word that you're doing you're going to get run over. You're going to be less confused and dangling, well, what's true and what's not true? I don't know. Today this is true. Tomorrow that's true. Everything that comes your way, you're going to be like a pig in heat. Or what is a donkey in heat? A dog in heat. I've never seen a donkey in heat. Don't look it up. <laughs> but snorting in the wind. Sniffing out what you want. It's a sick picture. Just being led astray. For no reason at all. And then want to demand your right to be led astray. 
Because this feels good to me. Who are you to judge me? Oh, okay, well. Sniffing the wind. Like a wild donkey. That's enough. I think that's somewhere, too. I don't know about that. I think you made the donkey part up. Matthew. <laughs> so, meditate on these. So, Matthew 28, 18, in Ephesians, and then in Colossians. We meditate on them. They give thought to it. Remember, we want to love God with our heart, soul, and we're learning how to love Him with our mind. And what does that look like? And then the big question. Mm-hmm. Norma, get this ready now. Big Before one. next session, Do it tomorrow, Norma. consider the following question. If we can't always believe what we feel, how should we deal with our emotions? You take a pill. The devil is a liar tonight. Oh my goodness. Jesus. So emotional freedom, which God knows. Oh Lord, I don't know if I'm ready for this. We'll just go back to seven. It's important. There's a lot of emotional issues that are still needing to be handled okay. and worked through. I do, on the value menu. Yeah. <laughs> the emotional issues. Super Freedom. <laughs> That's the flesh right there. Expanding. Jesus. Oh, like a donkey. Oh, like a wild boar. See, I told you. I think you have horses and donkeys. You know how they went. Yeah, we need to stop. Cause I, I'm going to look oh. it up. No, don't you dare. Oh, I'm going to get it posted and put it right there. No, I better not get a text. Either. Put the one with the vomit and the dog. Yeah. No. Like a dog returning to its own vomit. So listen, y'all. Be encouraged. After that. Yeah. Be encouraged not to be like one of them. Be encouraged to be a Christian, you all. Grow up. We all need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to hold each other accountable. We've got something beautiful here. What caught my attention is when you said the demons, and I know that I've read it before, the demons tremble, and it's so funny. We don't have any reason to tremble with them. No. There's no reason for us to be trembling and being insecure and unsure about what we're doing. All right, well, let's close.